Big shout out to Hunter, who upped their pledge this week in a big way, and also to Nathan, who's our newest patron. If you enjoy the shows or any of the shows that we produce at Majorspoilers.com, become a patron today. Every little bit helps. Keep these shows going. Point your browser right now, patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. This issue, return with us now to Baldur's Gate, where a group of fine heroes face the Frost Giant's fury. Plus, Red Sonia's in the house, Mouse is out of the library, Red Tornado's in the middle of a hostile takeover, and all hail the Monkey King. It's another moment in time wherein nothing is real and nothing to get hung about. For the benefit of Mr. Mustard, say Obladi Obladon, throw Ringo out the band, because the Major Spoilers podcast is in the Wrath Keller, and it's on the air. Welcome to issue 962 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. Big announcement that I want to make right here at the top of the show, because I know that's when all of the big announcements are supposed to be made. Uh, Major Spoilers will be launching our own NFTs starting next week. Yes, that's right. You can get in on the NFT craze, uh, all from Major Spoilers. Make sure you go to Majorspoilers.com. We'll have a lot of information about that and how you can get in on the ground floor. And the next thing you know, we're all going to be walking down uh, to the bank with our fat stacks of cryptos, whatever's NFTs next week, coming to Majorspoilers.com. All right, let us get into the news. So here's the news. This has gotten a lot of people uh, very, very, very upset uh, the, um, this, uh, school board in Tennessee, uh, I, I forget what, what, which, uh, county it is, uh, McMinn County school board voted unanimously, uh, to, this is a 10 to zero deci- decision to remove the book mouse by Art Spiegelman. Now, I don't know. I'm sure everyone here by now knows what mouse is, but it is a story of Art Spiegelman coming to terms with his father and figuring, you know, how to build a relationship with his father and figuring out what the Holocaust did to his father and his mother being, uh, you know, locked up in concentrations camps. And apparently someone has a problem with that. Uh, you know, the word damn in a book, uh, the, the, you know, Nazis in a book doing bad things to Jewish people apparently offend somebody so much so that they convinced the McMinn County school board to unanimously vote to remove this book from the the school shelves. Eight curse words, Stephen. Not merely one dam, but eight curse words. Eight eight dams, or is there other things? It's been so long since I've read this. I know a lot of people have been pointing to the Major Spoilers podcast where we go back and and, and reviewed Mouse back originally. Uh, but it's been so long. I forget all of the, all the curse words. I, I'm more concerned. I'm less concerned about the curse words and more concerned about the fact that the horrible atro- atrocities that the Nazis committed on the Jewish people and others uh, and, mm-hmm. and locking them in concentration camps and how that had a long lasting scarring impact still to this day on uh, those individuals and their families and their children and their children's children. I'm more concerned about that and more concerned about, Hey, let us never let this happen again in the world. Uh, but I guess we don't want anybody to 
to worry about those things because it may upset their children to learn that there's these kinds of people in the world. And so I am just blown away that, that this has happened and I am very irate. Uh, I kind of shared some thoughts on Twitter this past week about it. I've talked about it on a couple of other podcasts, uh, in this past week, but I wanted to get, uh, Matthew and Rodrigo's thoughts on this. Uh, so why don't it's we start with, uh, short sighted. Oh, I'm sorry. I feel like it's just incredibly short sighted. You know, even if we take on at face value, their expectation that they're protecting the children from a drawing of a nude cartoon mouse and, you know, rough language. I, it is, it, it's just mind blowing how boneheaded the maneuver would have to be at that level. Now, taking into account that I don't believe that justification, and I think that this is being used as the weak explanation of how to get something out of, you know, people's minds, much as their discussion of, you know, critical race theory, which, again, isn't actually discussing critical race theory at all. It's become a boogeyman. It's become a shibboleth. It's something where the people who have decided that this is going to be removed are now going to be raised up as heroes by people who want to make certain that the ideas that they support are the primary ones. And I feel like removing mouse is another step, whether it's intentional or unintentional, towards a white supremacist ethnostate in the United States. And it's upsetting, it's ridiculous, and I feel like the biggest problem with it is it happened literally right before Holocaust Remembrance Day. It's, it, it, if, if you were trying to be as offensive as possible, you could not have timed this any better. And I honestly, part of me feels like they did time this to be as offensive as possible. Um, maybe, hmm, maybe that was more of the news media outlets because when you read a lot of the news stories that said earlier this month, and so it may have been a week before or several days before. And then by the time it filtered news media, it just so happened to coincide with that. Um, I don't know if that was the case. It may be more so the fault of the media releasing the story on that day, as opposed to their meeting was on the 10th Holocaust remembrance day was on the ah, 27th. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of weeks in between that. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's rough, but it, it was bad timing on somebody's part, uh, for that. Rodrigo, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, this kind of operates on a lot of different levels and that's the problem is that sort of the rhetoric of it operates on different levels and people are at different levels. And I don't mean like the levels are like, dumb to smart i mean uh, there's a lot going on and people react to what uh they're to where they're at and and how that's reactable right so you see people that have never read mouse um that are themselves you know probably wasps uh not not that they are bugs that they're white anglo-saxon protestants although they'd probably be represented as wasps um just be like well what's the big deal you know 
at the same time, you see Jewish people and the author of the piece be absolutely horrified because this dredges up a a trauma, a trauma that was inflicted to them. Um, It dredges up a a similar trauma in other people that have had similar um, situations, right? It's, you know, black books are being banned, Mm -hmm. queer books are being banned. um, And they the the reasons stated are always extremely flimsy, but it doesn't matter because they're being banned by the people in power, right? The people in power don't actually have to explain anything to you. Like they, uh, you know, just recently, um, the president said that uh, he was going to try and get a, a a black woman into the Supreme Court, and people were like, "How dare he!" That's I. I think that should be offensive to black women, and it's like how? How could that possibly be offensive to black women? And it's like it doesn't matter. What matters is that they're doing this thing, and they're doing this thing to you. If you are one person, if you're a person who fits into this category, and they're doing it to you, and they're doing it to you when they're doing it to you, so that you know that they still have that power. Um, and this is happening all across the country. And if you feel harmed by this, they're going to do everything in their power to neg you out of that, to, mm-hmm. to make you, mm-hmm. to make you think that you're crazy, to make other people to point at you and say, this person is exaggerating. They themselves were not in the Holocaust. It was only their granddad that was in the Holocaust. So, you know, generational trauma is not a thing. It doesn't exist. Uh, see our up nope sorry critical race theory is out of the curriculum so we're definitely not going to talk about generational trauma um so yeah it's like they're doing this to you right it's like um it has the simultaneous effect of uh dog whistling up the actual nazis among us um and harming the people that would be their victims right it's like um, rhetoric around, um, uh, you know, any given race thing, rhetoric around right now, um, labor, you know, it's like, we're talking a lot about labor in this country and there are people that are out there just screaming into the microphone. It's a shortage. Nobody wants to work. Nobody is working because nobody wants to work and nobody wants to work because they're lazy and there's no work and they can't work because nobody wants to work. Right. And it's like, you know, that things are different because I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a drone. Like I have, I have a job and I'm seeing what's happening and I'm like, this doesn't look like what's happening. Um, but they're going to try to like, uh, I don't know, the party you big brother, you into thinking that you're wrong and you're bad for feeling bad. Yeah. Uh, in regards to this, to this book, I don't know if it was part of a curriculum that caused the blow up to occur. Uh, but I do know that books, especially books that deal with race, that deal with other religions that deal with, uh, gender identity, LGBTQI, uh, portrayals are under attack across the nation 
uh, right now. Uh, in Florida, Polk County Schools pull a number of books, uh, LG, LGBTQ uh, AI books, uh, 16 books in total, following complaints from an activist group called the County Citizens Defending Freedom, which I would like to see how many people who are on that citizens group who actually have kids enrolled in the school, because that's one of the things that I find is, is super, super odd. If the complaint was coming from an actual parent, uh, then I would probably take it seriously. But if it's some, we are a group of concerned citizens that heard that you guys might have a, a queer book in your library and we want it taken out. Uh, that's not, that's not your, that's not your place to do those kinds of things. In, it's in just Texas, really, uh, I was yeah, say, it, it, okay. go ahead, Rodrigo, go ahead. Well, I, I just really funny. Anytime they're like, well, we're defending freedom. It's like, how are you defending freedom by banning books? Yeah. And, by and, preventing, and by preventing people from reading. I think people are, are very clear on my stand on uh, freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Uh, you know, and, and I realize that when I say it, you're all thinking one thing, but in reality, you need to read the, the part about uh, preventing the government from infringing upon your freedom of speech and, and whatnot. Anybody can, you know, I think these books, regardless of, of what the material or the nature of the book is, uh, should be accessible to people. And one of the things that we'll find through a lot of this stuff is that some books people will read and say, this isn't very good and it'll just go away by itself. Other times there will be some very, very good books that will help you question, uh, you know, things that are going on around you, help you identify and, uh, answer questions to things that are going on around you that I think legitimately make people, other people scared for you to have that information and knowledge. Um, in the end, I think putting it all out there and letting people decide using their own smarts to, to, to figure it out, I think does, uh, is better than a group of people coming in and trying to decide what you should be reading and what you should be listening to, what you should be watching, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, and so that very much disturbs me when we get to a point where my guess is none of the, the people in this concerned citizens group have read any of these books. They just heard that there was a, a character who might be gay in the book. And so that offends them. Um, I don't know about you guys. When I was in school, we, we had a very small library in our high school. Um, but there were some books in there that, um, might raise some concerns, uh, among some people, but you know what? A lot of those books just sat on, sat on the shelf because kids would pick them up, look at them and go, eh, this is not of interest to me and then move on. But you know what happens the minute that you make a big deal out of something, everybody wants that book, right? Um, and so that's when it becomes a, a big deal. So I don't know, maybe there is something good that comes out of this whole debacle that these schools are doing because people report on it. Uh, the word gets spread. Uh, Mouse is probably a, a book that hasn't gotten a lot of big press in probably the last 10 years. But it's getting a lot of press now, and a lot of people are picking up this book to find out what the controversy is. And maybe that's a good thing that comes out of that, but I'm still just anti-book banning. I'm actually, uh, Carl Carl and I and a few other, there's a librarian down at the university, and we've had conversations before, because I have a real problem when a library is like, well, we're culling our collection. And I'm like, what do you mean you're culling your collection? Well, we're throwing out the old books. I'm like, should you really be doing that? Uh, so I had a really interesting conversation with people about how do you call a collection properly without mm -hmm. losing information and without, 
you know, without tossing out something that might be important later on. And so that's, yeah, that's very fascinating. Like eliminating, yeah. Eliminating the bias yes. that you might have at eliminating certain books. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of banning stuff. Uh, and unfortunately, as I said, this is not an isolated incident. This is something yeah. that's ongoing and has been ongoing for years. I think that the, the Art Spiegelman uh, mouse book has just, you know, is the final, the straw that broke the camel's back or the thing that caused the pot to boil over or whatever analogy that you want to, want to throw in there. But I mean, and even in Rodrigo's uh, short time on this earth that he has been a, a living human being, uh, uh, there has been, you know, people trying to ban records, trying to ban video games, trying to ban comic books. Matthew and I are old enough to know that there was a time when they still had record burnings and comic book burnings, uh, here in the United States. Um, and so it's just, uh, it, it is very, very, very troubling. Yep. Anything else? Anybody else wants to share on this topic? Someone on my Twitter asked this week, why are they doing this in the year 2020? And I'm like, right. because they haven't found a way yet to criminalize the idea. When they find that way, when they find a way to make it possible to criminalize the idea, then they will stop banning the books. And it's the same people who are decrying cancel culture that are actually out banning the books. And I think that's the the biggest part of it for me is it's so incredibly hypocritical coming oh, from sure. the people that I'm seeing championing this. You sure, know? sure, 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 sure. Now, was the... I understand where the person is coming from in their Twitter, but do you think that they meant, um, why are they doing this in 2021 when the, or 2022, when this book came out in 1981, why did it take them, you know, 40 years to find it? And my answer would be, um, they've been attempting to ban this book uh, at schools for forever. Um, I remember the first time that I read mouse was I was in middle school at the same, the same age as many of the kids who are now no longer able to read this book in McMinn County, uh, Tennessee. And I remember reading it just being blown away by not only the art, but the story and how graphic the story was. It was not like any other quote unquote comic book that I had ever read. And I remember putting it back on the shelf and it's still sticking with me. And then it was not in our high school library. So it must've been in my seventh or eighth grade classroom library, uh, where it was at. And so I didn't, I didn't, wasn't able to track down my own copy of that book until I was in college and went out of state to a trip and went to a bookstore in like Boston or something, um, and found the book there. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to spend every you know free dollar that I have to get this because it is so powerful. And so for that book to stick in my mind and the lessons learned and the relationship building things that were discussed in this book and other, you know, just the horror of the Holocaust being, you know, branded into my brain, you know, that seven, eight years later, I'm, you know, asking a friend, can I borrow a dollar so I can pay for this book? Um, I think is, is kind of a big deal. What yeah. were you going to say, Rodrigo? Yeah. Uh, mouse is heartbreaking. It's excruciating to read. It's, it's a difficult read. It's a mm-hmm. tough book, mm-hmm. but it's like, yeah, we have to, we have to put ourselves through that. Yeah. We have so to put ourselves ex- in uncomfortable situations. 
that we can experience a tiny iota of what the people that actually went through this experience did, so we can look at ourselves and be like, let's not put anybody through that again. Yeah, exactly. Because um, because just reading this book hurt me. Imagine what it must have been like to actually been one of these mice and or human beings. Yeah. Uh, dear listeners, we want you to join in on this conversation about uh, this story over on our Discord server. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. Pop in the Major Spoilers podcast uh, channel. You can talk uh, there. You can talk in the reading channel uh, where um, people have been talking about the book banning. Um, there's a lot of places on our Discord server that you can go and check this out. So please go do that today. There's a link in the show notes to our Discord uh, server. So there you go. Okay. Uh, during our discussion, um, I'm going to break in here. Um, during our discussion, I've been receiving a lot of emails. People are super, super upset about the NFT announcement. Mm. And, and I, under, I understand that, that many of you really don't want us to get into NFTs. And I mean, just the, the, the emails have been pouring in, Matthew. If I had a piece of paper, I could shake it to prove to you that the emails have been don't. coming in. Uh, well, here, I'll just, here we go. Here's one right here. That says, oh, Stephen, oh, I, cannot, oh. I cannot oh, believe that so major spoilers is thinking about getting into NFTs. Do you know how bad these things are for the world? How dare you sincerely, Phineas P. Pogs? Uh, listen, I, I'm looking listen, at all Boxy. the emails. Yes, I'm looking at all the emails pouring in, and I hear you. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And you know what? I, I agree with you. Uh, you know what? So here major spoilers is no longer going to be doing any NFTs. Uh, I'm sorry. We're just going to cancel everything. We're not going to do NFTs. I think instead we're going to just get right into cryptocurrency. We're going to create the major spoilers coin. Um, mm -hmm. that will be available. We'll have that ready to go. Launching next week, more information on the Majorspoilers.com website. Very excited about this cryptocurrency. I see the numbers just going up, 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 up. Every time I open up the Instagram, people are like, yo, bro, if you're not into the crypto, you're losing out. I see all the time people are tweeting on the tweet about the cryptos. So crypto is the way we're going to go. And we're not talking about the super dog. We're talking about the coinage of cryptos with the blockchains, which is no way related to the NFTs. More information about that next week, Majorspoilers.com. Now, let us do some reviews. Uh, okay, we have, oh, a lot of people, uh, everybody is reviewing a brand new comic this week. Uh, yeah. We've got two DC comics, so why don't we book in these? Uh, Matthew, why don't you go ahead with uh, Mark Russell and Steve Lieber's One Star Squadron number three. I think this week it's focusing on the Red Tornado, if I'm not mistaken is uh red tornado is the branch manager i guess for a better word of heroes for you and heroes for you is an organization that operates much like your uber or your uh i don't know what's that other thing your framstat where if you need a superhero you go on the app you say i need me a superhero and the superheroes arrive uh one star squadron Okay, before you get into this, yeah. I know the premise of this, this is what's mm -hmm. getting getting really weird for me because One Star mm -hmm. Squadron and Blue and Gold are both mm -hmm. working on that same premise of Heroes for Hire. Yes. 
And then the most recent, um, what is it, a Human Target series also mm-hmm. has an underlying element of Heroes for Hire. So this is really yes. weird to see, you know, three books on the market right now that are all from DC that are all dealing with the same concept as the gimmick for the story. Notably, yes. notably out of the conversation, Heroes for Hire. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel knows better. Yeah. Here's the deal. I am going to be uncharacteristically um, blunt, and I'm going to tell you the truth about One Star Squadron. One Star Squadron exists solely because of the cute pun in the title. That is literally the only reason this comic book exists. Mm. So with that out of the way, I want to say, first of all, that Steve Lieber is an artist that I respect. Mark Russell has written things that I enjoy. This issue continues a three-issue straight run of flat-out cruelty. Um, There's some unpleasantness in this issue that really upsets me, but it starts with Superman coming to the Heroes for You board of directors and telling them turning heroes into employees cheapens heroism. That right there is an on-panel statement of basically the premise of the whole six-issue limited series. That kind of bugs me, but I, you know, I'm fine. You don't necessarily have to be in any way subtle in your social commentary. But then we see the company say, yeah, okay, uh, sure, but we're going to keep doing this anyway. And Superman says, fine, we're just going to pull the Hall of Justice recommendations. And they realize that they're about to lose money. So the board of directors decides that before Superman can make a public statement, they need to sell. So they call Red Tornado in. Red Tornado, of course, being the branch manager. He thinks he's going to get fired. Instead, they tell him that they need him to prop the whole thing up and make it look really good so that they can sell it to some unsuspecting sucker, Um, which is even blunter than the Superman statement on the first page. There are bits in here that I think are are bordering on fun. Uh, There's a character called Minuteman, who uses a derivative of our man's pills, but it only works for a minute because he's abused it for so long. But when we see him, it's played really, really like almost Christy McNichol after school special, uh, ridiculous about him crying. There's a sequence where uh jack-o'-lantern super minor hero has a chance to save people after a fairy sinks but he gets a uh, call from the Heroes for You app, which, because it's Halloween, gives him surge pricing and offers to pay him four times as much to go to a Halloween party. So he goes. I don't know if anyone died there, mm. but I do know that I just, oh, that made me unhappy. The choice of characters here, I really feel. Do you remember Heroes in Crisis? Sure. Do you remember how there were a bunch of characters murdered in Heroes in Crisis? Yeah. And and they apparently, editorial said, here's a bunch of characters that you can kill. And so they killed off these characters, and it included four people who had never before appeared in the New 52. Uh, Commander Steel was killed. Oh, and no. And we find out retroactively that he was a member of the Justice League that we just never saw. Lagoon Boy, who was a member of the Teen Titans for 12 minutes, was killed. And it's one of those moments where you see these characters killed and they're like, oh no, pathos, drama, tragedy. And I'm like, but no. 
this feels like that. Uh, G.I. Robot is in this. He is competing with the Heckler and uh, the Flying Fox for the position of best salesperson. By the way, Heroes for You runs a telemarketing firm for the heroes who are not on duty. That hurts my soul on an existential level. Dark. I, oh, oh, God. As a former telemarketer, even GI Robot does not deserve that. And Red Tornado thinks he's going to get fired, goes home, he cries in front of his wife and daughter, and everybody's freaking out. And then, of course, it turns out he's not getting fired because the board of directors got a letter that says all the employees hate him. So he's going to be their helpful pawn in downsizing. And they're going to pin it all on the only female character in the book, Power Girl, who's going to be the patsy for this plan. And I'm just like, oh, this is too much. This is just... Uh, uh. It really wants to be House of Cards. But the, there's two problems with it. There, there was a book probably 30 years ago called Hero Hotline that did pretty much this exact same premise but did it as more of a silly slapstick thing where the minor league heroes, they could only do a couple of things, but occasionally it would be helpful. You know, a girl with diamond hard fingernails could help you cut into a vault or a guy who has X-ray vision and microscopic vision, but nothing else. He's really great at helping the police find clues, but this is established DC characters. You know, none of them are like, Super, super popular guys, but established DC characters. I would say Power Girl is probably the highest tier character here. And it's just treating them all as just contemptuous losers. And I can't, I just can't. I'm so sad after reading this book. I had problems. I, re I reviewed issue one for the site and I'm like, I hope it doesn't go where I think it's going. And I, I can tell you that it didn't. It bypassed that and went even further south. And just, I cannot recommend One Star Squadron to you. Um, I wouldn't normally uh, do this, but I'm going to, since they called it out, give it one star, uh, one slice of meatloaf. It's not good. It wants to be good. It could have been really good, but it's just cruel. And honestly, even Red Tornado doesn't deserve this kind of treatment. All right, there you go. One Star Squadron number three out this week from DC Comics. There's a link in the show note if you want to pick this up yourself and uh, see if you agree or disagree with Matthew. Now, mm -hmm. let's jump over to Rodrigo because love's in the air. We're just a couple of weeks away from that special Valentine's Day. And I think it's, it's time for Red Sonia to get into some of that action. Yeah, Red Sonia Valentine's Day special 2022 um, is a comic book that I read. Uh, you know, it's pretty good. Um, it is the story of a valley out in the ancient world, um, you know, and like sort of like the big, messy, uh, anachronistic euro asian -y thing that uh red sonja lives in um mesopotamia mesopotamia that's actually a pretty good way to put it um and uh yeah so there's this valley 
and all of a sudden these like creepy uh you know quote unquote cupids show up and start harming people uh red sonia has to team up with the locals to try and beat them and in the end uh love prevails and uh couples are not separated now if you've read the um the blurb for this that's not it like i i think i i seriously looked all over the place and the blurb for this book seems to be incorrect it's either last year's or it's a story that maybe is also here but i didn't see um but yeah the only story i read was about creepy cupids uh so there's that hopefully it wasn't just like my own terrible mistake um so be aware of that um it's fun it's for what it is you know you expect it to be a one shot you expect to see red sonia you know presumably uh hack someone to pieces with a sword um you know she drags someone with a horse um there is uh, at least one actually there's a couple hot spring scenes for you anime fans um you know it's cool it's it's okay the art is fun uh it's maybe a little bit uh it it allows itself to be a little bit cartoonier because it's uh it's a special um and uh yeah i mean it, you know it's enjoyable uh, i i give it four and a half slices of meatloaf it's you know Again, it's a one-off. You, there's no commitment here. Uh, oddly enough, for a Valentine's Day special, there's no commitment. So <laughs> uh, enjoy that. There you go. All right. Uh, finally, this week, we are recording this on the uh, February 1st, which is the new Lunar New Year. Uh, happy Year of the Tiger to everyone out there. And uh, so DC saw it fitting to release Monkey Prince, number one, from Gene Luen Yang and Bernard Chang. Uh, and this is definitely not the book I thought it would be. Uh, I don't usually read the blurbs a lot, even though I'm exposed to all the solicitation information uh, months in advance, days in advance, weeks in advance. So I know what is what's basically going on. Uh, you know, the Monkey King coming to the DCU. And I'm liking, OK, this is going to be DC's uh, take on Journey to the West uh, that I think many of us know. Uh, and there are certainly characters like uh, Piggy, uh, who shows up in this, uh, that plays, I think, an important role as this series goes on. But I was not expecting in the first two pages for Batman to be traumatizing a child so much so that he develops an, a, an anxiety uh, for little things like stepping in a puddle of water or uh, seeing some curtains flapping in the wind. Uh, this child... Uh, come to find out that his parents hench for supervillains and uh, that we also find out that uh, that Marcus happens to be the current incarnation of the monkey prince and he has to deal with school bullies. He also has to fight question mark Batman who may or may not uh, do something horrible to the monkey prince by the end of the uh, issue I, this was, again, this was not what I was expecting. If you think, you know, the story of the monkey King, if you think, you know, the story of the monkey Prince, if you've, uh, uh, seen your, your anime adaptations of this, it's not even that. Um, I, 
it is just hard to describe, except that a boy is in Gotham. Batman's around. The boys uh, finds out that he is also the monkey prince and some things happen. Art is excellent from Bernard Chang. It's very, very interesting. I think I really need to see where Yang is taking this story. And I don't know if this is an ongoing or if it's a six issue or a 12 issue. It wouldn't, if DC were smart, they would have made this a 12 issue series. So you had a, an issue coming out every single month of 2022. But even if it's only six issues, I think I want to see where this goes and see how this ties back into uh, the Chinese legend. Because the characters are all starting to line up and, and come come out. I just need to see how they put it together and make it fit in the DCU. It is interesting. It's $3.99, so you know, you're not paying uh, 7 bucks for a comic or anything like that. I think it's worth checking out. Be aware there's a decapitation. Spoiler alert. Uh, I'm giving this three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Uh, I hope that uh, everyone gets a red envelope. Uh, it would be nice if DC would have included a red envelope with this, but uh, that's where we're at right now. Again, link to this book in uh, the show notes. Again, you can make a purchase. A little bit comes back our way and helps this show. And if you want more reviews, head over to Majorspoilers.com where we have new reviews every day of the week. Okay. As Matthew and Rodrigo were doing their reviews, obviously a lot of emails coming in. Yeah, it was like 70, 75 emails during that. <sighs> Apparently, you guys don't want us to get into cryptocurrency either. I look, I look, there's the Bitcoin up to 30,000 for one Bitcoin. I look at the Dogecoin, even the Dogecoin continues to move forward. And yet people don't want us to get into the major spoilers coin. All right, fine. I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. This one right here from a, uh, Belon Busk is writing it and saying, uh, cryptocurrency, no way dog. I can't believe you guys got out of the NFTs and now you're getting into the cryptocurrency. Boo, man, you should feel bad. I don't have a response to that, unfortunately. I, I guess the thing that I will say is that we'll go back to the ancient times, the long ago times where we present something of value to you. And if you find it of value, you give something of value back to us. Now, I don't want your oxen. Okay. You don't have to do that. We don't need your firstborn. We're not asking for that at this time. But maybe you have a few dollars in your pocket that if you find value for what we do at Major Spoilers, if you get a little laugh, if you get a little chuckle, if you get a little bit more informed about something, if you get a recommendation that you like, if you like gaming, if you like uh, uh, TTRPG podcasts, we got still one of the OGs still running over mm -hmm. 600 episodes. We got one of, we've got a podcast, a comic book podcast. that has been around almost about to hit a thousand episodes. If you like listicles, we've got a top five list. If you enjoy reading all the things that we have at the major spoilers podcast, if you find a little value in that, then what I'm going to ask you to do is take however much you feel. Okay. 
could be a dollar, could be two dollars, could be five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, could be forty dollars, could be fifteen thousand dollars if you want us to come to your house. If you think all the stuff that we do over the course of a month is worth five dollars to you, then please go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Sign up for a silver level membership or sign up for a thank you level membership. You got that money to, to share uh, and, and uh, to spare. Uh, we would appreciate if you find value in what we do to give a little value back. We're not going to do the NFTs. We're not going to do the crypto coins. With the expectation that we will have many of you come up and help us out by going to patreon.com slash major spoilers. It's a real shame too, Matthew. I really wanted to do the NFTs. I wanted a monkey. I wanted a monkey uh, I- image so that I could say, oh, this is in the block t- chain now. Mm. I'll make you a deal. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a, 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 an app that I bet I could get a picture of Matthew and press the button on the app that turns you into a monkey. And we could have our own Matthew, the monkey, uh, NFT out there, but we're not going to do it. One, we're not going to do it. I'm a gorilla. Two. No, this one definitely said monkey. Well, people don't know that I've put a monkey in a gorilla. And more importantly, we're about to do an NFT, our new freaking trade. Uh, no, that's Dungeons and Dragons I, first Giants free. You are your major kind of, spoilers largely fun, just entirely fungible. Yeah, we're, yes. we're we're fungible, we're frangible. Matthew is definitely fungy. We're halfway in. Listen, when you become a patron, listen, when you we're become made a patron, there's people and we people see, look oh, at so. you differently. Okay, your breath smells better when you become a patron. Okay, your acne clears like up to, when you become a patron. I would like to point out that Stephen did not clear the NFT skits with us ahead of time, so I had like no idea. <laughs> we, I was like nothing. Oh, I could yeah. hear. I could just hear the what? What are we doing? Nobody I'm, told me about I'm, this. I am drafting a letter, <laughs> drafting a letter. Oh, okay. It's a bit. It's a bit. Okay. I'm still going to save this for later, just in case. As soon as he said it, I'm like, this is a bit. It's a bit. No. Oh, but then when I said next week and then moved on to the next topic, you guys were like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's not a oh, bit. No, I'm, you, 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 you for real had me going. It's like, it's like that thing where you're like, Finally, like filing into a city with the survivors, and you realize that somebody next to you has a bite mark. Yep. It's like, oh no, they got him. It's all over, man. It's all over. <laughs> it's a bug. Oh, speaking hunt, of man. bite marks, speaking of bite marks, yeah. one of the heroes in Dungeons and Dragons, Frost Giant Fury, got bitten by a lyth- lycanthrope, and she may be turning into something creepy. But first, everybody has to fight some frost giants. This is the third volume in the Jim Zub IDW Publishing Dungeons and Dragons series that finds our heroes out of Baldur's Gate, out of uh, Ravenloft, Ravencroft, uh, what is it, Ravenloft? Ravenloft. Ravenloft and finds them in the far frosty north regions. I'm guessing it's the north regions because that's how planets work. Uh, But it could be the southern regions. I have no idea. Could just be that they landed in Colorado. That's how that's how worlds that are written by people who live in the northern hemisphere work. There you go. Could be the southern hemisphere. Um, interestingly, by coincidence, question mark. Uh, Frost Giants Fury just so happened to come out uh, at or around the exact same time that the Dungeons and Dragons Frost Giants Fury module came out. 
energy. So mm. there may be some connection in there. Um, but anyway, we find our heroes again in a different place with no funds, having to fight frost giants and frost giants who want to find an orb to control. No, wait, am I reading? I'm thinking I've got my, I've got my fantasy things mix, mixed up again. What do the frost giants want? They want, uh, an orb that'll let him control. That's right. That's what I dragons. thought. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I just dragons. saw something. I just saw something the other day. It was not very good, but also had something about dragons wanting to control orbs and such. Mm -hmm. so there we yeah, go. Yeah. Dragons, dragons, wizards, and orbs. It's like rock, paper, scissors for fantasy. I uh, guess. Dragons and wizards and orbs. Now, Matthew and I have uh, read the first issue in this series. We have also read many, many other iterations of this group in the Dungeons and Dragons line from IDW Publishing. So I'm mm -hmm. curious, Rodrigo, what are your thoughts on Dungeons and Dragons Frost Giants Fury? Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. It really does, in a lot of ways, feel like a D&D &D adventure. Uh, it, it feels in a lot of ways like a D&D &D adventure by a... Uh, a, a game master who has some place to be. Mm, okay. I, I, I think that, although there are times when the characters are like, oh no, things are bad, or like the characters come up with a plan, it's like, okay, here's the plan. Like, there's like a lot of times where like immediately just a frost giant falls out of the sky. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm reading this and I was like, oh, the players at the table have to be just pissed about this. <laughs> how they like came up with this whole thing with this dragon about how they were going to help it. And then the frost giants just show up, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, but hey, we, we listen, guys, we're not going to sit here and go through this whole plan that you came up with this whole like harebrained scheme. I have I have three more fights to get through tonight. So you felt you think it felt rushed without input from the players? I mean, again, if we're if we're looking at it like like it's a D and D game, uh, it does feel like the game master is like very much trying to push the action forward. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, when you look at it as a story, it's like eh, you know it's it, it's trying to keep a brisk pace. It it has a lot to get through. It does, and again, I've got the Frost Giants Fury uh, book, he, uh, not here in, in in the office, but it's out in the other room. I don't think I've read through the whole thing, so I don't know if this even follows any of the beats from that module or not. I don't know how closely tied, because I know Jim Zub has conversations. He's talked about this in the past, that he's had to have conversations with Wizards of the Coast. Uh, Watsi, you may hear them referred to as, uh, not you two already know that, but our dear listeners, um, to where of things that he can and can't do inside this event, so inside these uh, stories. So I don't know how much of it might be tied to the actual story of the frost giants fury module, because at the end of the book, and they've done that with this with every, with every series, there's playable character sheets that you can use to play these characters in, th in the setting. And in this case, um, we're what levels six through 10, I think on this one or five through nine, uh, on this one. Uh, so, you know, there's that kind of a draw to this. And I can think of, as Matthew said, synergy. Uh, I can think that this is a great way to maybe get people interested in either going and checking out the Dungeons and Dragons module or finding out more about Dungeons and Dragons or vice versa. Oh, we just played 
Frost Giants Fury. There's a comic book set in this in the same adventure. I can see a lot of um, uh, of appeal for people to go out and, and buy those things. I don't think that's actually happening now. You know, of all the IDW Hasbro Hasbro properties that are out there, um, Dungeons and Dragons is the one that that uh, IDW is keeping, and it's losing the rest of them uh, besides My Little Pony. So mm. it must be it must be doing something. I just don't know. Um, unfortunately, and I can't remember, Matthew, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think that these issues roll from Raven's loft right into frost giants fury. I think there may be a couple of months in between adventures. So the one thing that I don't like about this story is the fact that you have to know what happened in the previous adventure to understand what's going on here. They kind of spell it out yeah. for you, but you know, the whole part part about, and I forget which one has gotten bitten by the, the werewolf. Um, but that's kind of a big deal. That's just kind of implied that, you know, everything that happened, or maybe just the word Ravensloft, uh, is enough to get you to tremble with fear about vampire and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the, Neris. yeah, I Neris, found yeah. this being an easy pickup book, maybe a little difficult. Uh, for, for, you know, people that are just like, oh, what's this? A Dungeons and Dragons comic book? Let me open up this and read it. Um, I I think that that may be the, that may be a stopping point for some people. I don't know what you think about this, Matthew. I actually agree. And I, I'm pretty sure I said that when we read the issue, because we read periodically. Yeah, we read the first first issue of this series. I think we Mm -hmm. read two issues of Baldur's Gate. And then just Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, on Dueling Review, we reviewed the most recent uh, story arc where they're coming back to, to Baldur's right. Gate, return to Baldur's Gate. Which was something like dancing on the edge of a high wire or something. Mm-hmm. But I remember reading this, and uh, we had read something previous to it with these characters. Mm-hmm. But even with the opening, um, and I don't remember if this was in the issue because we have a Dramatis Personae on the inside cover, uh, you, you know, who they are and how they came to be. But I remember being like, this doesn't feel like an issue number one. It feels like an issue 10 or an issue 13, the beginning of a new arc. And that, I think, is my biggest problem with this story is this feels like I'm the new guy trying to join the group. But the dynamic is, you know, so established that I can't really, you know, I don't know. I I've never had a lot of connection to the characters of the Baldur's Gate. Now, if you yeah. were like, uh, what was it? Raceland and his twin brother, uh, dipstick and, uh, their, their thiefy guy and the guy who died and the one with the hat, Tannis half, half elven. I might have some connection to them, but also that was 30 years ago. And I admit that, um, I don't know. I feel like if you don't, have an emotional connection to these characters or a love of high fantasy, then this story is just kind of going to brush past you. There's not really, there's not really anything to hang a hat on and say that this is different or, you know, that this is something that stands out other than being unofficially licensed, uh, you know, Hasbro Dungeons and Dragons product with official Hasbro Dungeons and Dragons characters that, you can read and see statted out and have all of the, you know, official officialness and play in magic, the gathering, you know, which if you were going to do that, so 
here's the thing. I think it's really cool when they put the character sheets at the end so you can just have like an instant character to play. Mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. think that's cool. Uh, Rick and Morty did that with their Dungeons and Dragons crossover, which I thought was cool. But I would think that if you were really wanting to tie in a little bit more into the world of Dungeons and Dragons, maybe include a stat block about the, the dragon. Maybe include a stat block about the, the sure. giants. I think that would yeah. be kind of an interesting thing to give, it, give us to the put monster stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would be interesting. Now, not you know, you don't have to reprint the entire page out of the the uh, the monster manual, but just give us yes, the stat do. block. What, what, what it's what it's hit what it's hits points. What's its armor class? You know, what is it, what is its type? All that kind of stuff. I think would be interesting. I think I, I see where you're coming from in this, Matthew. Because here's the thing: these this group of characters, or at least most of them, uh, continue on, and these are your core group of of heroes that you're going to follow for i don't know rodrigo 10 years of adventures uh, mm -hmm. through the place so while there are elements of jeopardy none of these characters feel like they are in, in uh imminent third death uh what is it death uh death save role right yeah third uh, save. So. yeah it does not feel like we are in that aspect at any point in this story it just feels like I don't want to say going through the motions, but it kind of feels like they're going through the motions. These are level six characters too. So I feel like the, you know, the cognitive dissonance between what it's like to play a, a level six character and the, you know, standing up to a 40 foot giant and face yeah. to face with a dragon of this story doesn't necessarily mesh with my personal uh, assessment of what a six level threat should be. Wow! Well, so you know, that, I mean, we I fought mean, a green. We fought a green true. dragon at what? What level? Fourth, fifth level, know, like, sixth level? Yeah, four or five. Is it? Is a baby yeah. though? Yeah, a baby. Man, maybe these are baby. Maybe these. I are mean, baby yeah, this this dragon is relatively young too. But mm. but here's the thing. Um, this really does read like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. It really does, and mm. for good and for ill. Um, like for example, um, it's like the characters just got their stuff wrecked in Ravenloft and they are like dying, right? It's like two of them mm -hmm. are dying. They're wounded. There's stuff. Yep. It's no like, long rest they, available. they have to have a, they have a fight where they're wounded. That fight is tense. They actually need somebody to bail them out. And then they like get a night's sleep and enemies that are both more numerous and more gigantic show up and they completely hold them off right mm -hmm. i mean it does it does seem like they're maybe in a in a losing bit of attrition but they are like evenly matched right it's like this thing like this D, &D thing where like if i'm allowed to like rest my head for exactly six hours i am as powerful as i have ever been once again <laughs> um it kind of happens here like it kind of happens here that you have I don't know. It feels like Minsk's player is just kind of a ham and uh, like kind of capitalizes a lot of what's going on. And the other players are kind of like trying to role play around them. Um, and and you have, a, oh, what's his name? The blonde guy, Krylin or something. Crydle. Crydle. Right. Crydle's uh, player refuses to speak and can't, right? Like it just like has like very mod and very matter of fact like responses to things mm -hmm. um 
kind of like almost like Buffy-ish in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like it feels it really does feel like a D game. And some of these things are things that kind of annoy me. And some of these things are things that I'm like, it's like it's like reading Order of the Stick without the jokes. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like I know I know what's happening here. I know how many hit dice these guys are supposed to have, or whatever, right. you know, however you however you interpret Dungeons and Dragons. Um so it's like, yeah, um I don't know. There, there's something about it that it like if you want a very genuine D and D experience, this book is going to give it to you. If you mm-hmm. don't want a very uh, a very genuine D and D experience, if you want to sort of see a D and D see D and D characters in a in a world that maybe makes a little bit more sense than D and D, that doesn't have these like underlying structures that D and D has. Uh, if you were hoping for that, that's not what you're going to get. You have to like right. go learn. You have to go read like Drizzt. Right. Yeah. To to get to get that. Yeah. To get like characters that just do whatever, even though a D and D character wouldn't be able to do that, or would actually be able to do something bigger than that by that point, or whatever. Right. But these characters, it very much feels like they are living, just absolutely one hundred percent living in that sixth level world of, mm. of Dungeons and Dragons, and mm-hmm. that's I. It's it's kind of an accomplishment. It's kind of a feat. Yeah, to to read that, so that and to just be there, um, but also it's a little annoying because you know I was hoping for like more of a story and less of a this is a D and D game. Yeah, so but from that aspect though, that they're able to capture that D and D feeling, that's a success then for you. I think so. Yeah, uh, you okay. know, it's like um, there's there's something here. Uh, Zub uh, wrote the uh, Rick and Morty stuff as well, right? Yes, he did. So there's something here that feels more honest. Uh, then the Rick and Morty stuff, like the Rick and Morty stuff is also kind of has, uh, you know, Wizards of the Coast stamp. Like that's an official D&D thing, right? It's uh, Rick and Morty in Dungeons and Dragons world, basically. Um, but in that, it's like I wanted to see much more, a much more incisive attack of the things that are funny and absurd about D&D. And we kind of didn't get that. In this, because it's like it feels earnest. It feels like I am writing a game of Dungeons and Dragons for you, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. It totally is. Yeah. Now, what do you think of the what do you think of the characters uh, in this? Are they endearing to you, or or no? Because I've been with these characters now. The the most recent one is Dungeons and Dragons Mindbreaker that has to deal with uh uh what's the what's the multi eyed creature um, beholder. beholder the beholder it's got a beholder in it and all that kind of stuff. That's the most recent incarnation of this. What what are your thoughts on on these characters? Um, again, I I it's like I I just really feel like Minsk is a ham. Yeah, yeah, he's um, obviously the Minsk Minsk and Boo just so happen to be kind of like the big attractors. I think in this book, yeah, it's like look when you it's like it's like you're you're doing a podcast, right? It's like you you're gonna need like your rules guy, and you're going to need like a, a big boisterous personality that a lot of people are gonna glom onto. Like you're gonna need your like working like like person that actually paid attention to the stats and is actually gonna like punch above their weight 
you know, like you and you kind of have that here. Um, it's it's just interesting that they were, as as far as I know, created whole cloth to be that right. It, these aren't mm-hmm. like these aren't like the creations of people around the table, as far as I know. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, the characters are are fine; they're enjoyable. But I, I like mainly my main problem with it is like I I I don't think I've read anything. I, I might have read something with these characters before as like a single issue, maybe. Um, but um, is, is this a part like, you want to follow like, to level thirty? Uh, I wouldn't. I, it wouldn't be terrible to see them go to level thirty, especially if they like. Here, here's the thing. Here's here's why I would be interested in it. One of them's already a werewolf, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if they are going there, like if they are going to put these characters through the D and D ringer then I would be interested because I am interested to see a story where um, one of the characters is a lycanthrope and has to deal with that. I am interested to see a story in which one of the characters uh, gets eaten by a mind flayer and then they're like a ghost, right? Like D&D allows you to do stuff like that. It's like, like, I want to see that. I want to see this like just completely warp out of space and time into the nonsense that is D and D if they're going to hew so closer to D and D. Right. Yeah. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. What about you, Matthew? Uh, now that you've seen these characters in many incarnations, what are you, what are your thoughts on the, on the, the group? I feel like these are great characters to have in a story like this because they're very familiar. You know, these are characters that I feel like I've played at a table with. When you know when you talk about oh yeah this guy's the sneaky sneak thief, but you know the halfling she like distracts people and then he can rob them and I'm like yeah okay fine and then we have the spooky spooky cleric and then you have the you know the girl with the magicy magic and then of course you have the big dumb guy with the big sword and I'm like all of this a hundred percent familiar this is really almost archetypical. Uh, takes in some cases and that's i think as rodrigo said that's going to be the downfall for me as someone who's been exposed to these sort of things over and over and over and again i am not the kind of person who wants to just read a high fantasy story so that i can love it and cherish it and call it george that's not necessarily going to be my jam so you know when you have a character running around and oh no, my friend is injured. I must ask my miniature giant space hamster what to do. I'm like, okay, you do that. And again, it's not a fault or a failing of the story. Zub writes tight stuff, but he's writing someone else's campaign. And I feel like maybe years and years of standing at a counter and being told about someone else's campaign have embittered me to this, but I, I have... I, I mean, I love this in terms of its artistic merit. It's well-drawn. It's well-written. It is the book where people are like, hey, are there Dungeons & Dragons comics that you can just read? I'm like, yeah, would you be interested in maybe some Baldur's Gate? I might even give this to someone, you know, 11, 12, 13, who's trying to figure out, hey, what can you do in a Dungeons & Dragons setting? Or, you know, what kind of characters can you create? But am I going to pick this up for my personal enjoyment reading not really i know it's interesting 
Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about how these, both of you are talking about how these feel very archetypical uh, because I had to stop myself early when I was trying to, earlier in the show when I was trying to describe this because there is literally another high fantasy animated thing that is out there that I will not mention its name. Mm-hmm. But my God, I got, I've, there are characters the from that yep. animated thing that yep, are yep. exactly lifted from either this book or vice versa. And the, the, one of the adventures that this group was in, in their high fantasy world, uh, involved dragons. And I got confused for a moment on, well, the two stories. Cause I literally read the book and watched the, the show on the same day. And, right. um, yeah, that may be, that may be ultimately a failing. I mean, it's certainly nice that you have, um, instantly recognizable characters, but yeah. if you can't remember your stories and keep them separated from two different properties, that could be a problem. Some of these um, cats come from the video game. Remember? Yeah, oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm, oh yes. I'm, I'm most certainly so, but I mean, with, with, Minsk but you know, there's it. always going to be that person that's like, I want to be the eight foot tall guy. And the other one is like, I got to be the sneaky guy. And the other I'm one's like, well, I'm going to be the funny guy. guy. And, you know, so you get all of those things in there, which you're right. It's there. But, um, if it happens too often and everybody is creating the exact same character. Yes. Then that becomes super problematic in trying to keep these separated of, did I read a Drist book? Or did I read a Dungeons and Dragons book? Or did I listen to a podcast? Or did I watch a TV show where this thing happened? And I think so that's, that might that's, be might be a failure. Yeah, that's that's really the the issue with um, the prevalence of specifically Dungeons and Dragons in like this mixture of of high fantasy media, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because uh, let's say that we get together for a game of Numenera. Um, oh yeah! In in that yeah, Numenera, Numenera, na 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 na, Numenera. Yes. Once once everybody gets that out of their system, Numenera shares a lot. Numenera shares a lot of. May I, gentlemen? Yes, please. It shares a lot of tropes with Dungeons and Dragons, but it doesn't share all tropes with Dungeons and Dragons. You know what does share all tropes with Dungeons and Dragons? Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, when you have uh, several podcasts, um, hey, we do a we do a Dungeons and Dragons podcast for those. Of we you did a like, yeah. Hey, we you guys are certainly Dungeons dancing around podcast. it. Yeah, we do a Dungeons and Dragons. No, no, podcast. absolutely, we it's do. A great absolutely, line. we we contributed to that. If you listen, like oh, I have yeah. had people tell me that X, Y, or Z in Critical Hit reminded them or x of x y and z in some other podcast and i mm-hmm. honestly don't remember because i don't i i mostly don't listen to podcasts and i don't listen to other real play podcasts except unless i'm really trying to learn a new game then i'll go find oh, yeah. that yeah, um yeah. but i but i mostly don't listen i i do not listen to critical hit or to uh i don't listen to critical hit because i'm living it uh, right. But I don't listen to D and D. You lived uh, the Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, that's right. I lived the Star Wars. Um, I don't listen to other D and D podcasts because I honestly have had enough of D and D media in general. Right? I don't seek it out. Um, but you're going to find those guys. You're going to start seeing 
these groups, you can probably find tropes in the Void Saga that are present in uh, your adventure styles and your uh, critical rocks and your, you know, anything else that you're listening to. Um, you're you're going to find those. And part of the reason for that is that D&D structure, both the rules and the things that are already established about the world, uh, giants that come in different flavors, dragons that, that come in different flavors, um, rangers, rogues, uh, you know, class-based things, race-based things, all of those things are going to be present in all of them, and they're going to be pulling everything towards that middle, right? That middle ground where everything exists and where there's just, like, one nebulous party with, like, a sexy tiefling bard mm -hmm. and, like, mm -hmm. uh, maybe, like, a guy that shifts, depending on how you look at him, between being an orc and a goliath. Like, we're all kind of, like, everything kind of gets normalized because of Dungeons & Dragons structure. To see something that's not that, you need to move out of Dungeons & Dragons, um, where there are still stories like that, like Conan stories, like Red Sonja stories, like, uh, what was I Adventures talking about? in Space in our Starfinder series, Drifters. Yeah, that's right. Over at CriticalHit.com. Yeah, stuff about Starfinder, um, like Savage Hearts, I talk about Savage Hearts. Um, I've talked about it on the show before. I've talked, I talk about it or will talk about it. Hello, future people on top five. Um, it's just slightly different, right? It's kind of doing a D and D thing, but it's doing something else too. And when you're looking at things that are very strictly doing D and D, you're going to find this like normalizing, like sort of pull toward the center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, with yeah. all these characters. Yeah. Pulled, pulled toward the average or pull, pulled toward the median. Yep. Yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. I can understand that. Bottom line though, I think this is a solid story. I think it does what it intended to do. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. I think, um, I, I agree with Matthew that if, if there was somebody that wanted to read a Dungeons and Dragons comic, there's nothing wrong with handing them this series from IDW publishing. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it does. Uh, I think it does a great job of of letting you explore some of the worlds that you can adventure in inside the gaming system. And just guess what? After you finish this, there's a module you can go pick up as well if you want to now go play in that world. Um, so I think for what it does, I think it does it well. I would definitely say if you're a fan of fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, you've played the modules and you enjoy a bunch of the other um, Dungeons and Dragons stuff that is out there. I would say pick it up if you're kind of tangentially want to find out more about this. You want a casual read, check it out from the library, or if your friend uh, has a copy, borrow it from them. Uh, Matthew, final thoughts from you. I'm with you on that. I feel like if it's something that you are into already, you can check it out. If you feel like, you know, hey, I want a swords and sorcery story that has some cool stuff going on. It's well drawn. This is a good place to go. I would say that if you are old and jaded and, you know, cruel like Rodrigo and myself, hmm. this may be worth checking out, but you may have the response that we do. And if you do, I want to make it clear that my response is not because of the quality of the material, yeah. but I think because of the material itself. And that's also okay. It's not for me, but it's well done. Rodrigo, you get the final word this week. Yeah, I think that there are there are a lot of people that have because of streaming, because of podcasts, um, have only just recently discovered Dungeons and Dragons. And mm -hmm. guess what, guys? Congratulations! 
there are multiple volumes of a trade paperback that you can just blah, 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 ingest right now, you know, that has more Dungeons and Dragons stuff that is actually going to get you a little bit more because it's official Dungeons and Dragons stuff going to get you into that mindset, like into that place, right? It's like anytime we run a role playing game, um, we have to spend some time being like, okay, how does this world work? What exists here? What doesn't exist here? Um, and Dungeons and Dragons, because of its breadth uh, of of media, can get you there faster. Because if you read this trade and you have your PHB, you already know what your what's what the expectations are of D anD. d So you got that going for you, which is nice. All right. So pick it up, skip it, buy it. What? What's the? Uh, I would say if you're new here, pick it up. Um, okay. If you're if you're not then check it out from the library first. All right. Well, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up for this issue. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, As we mentioned multiple times throughout the show, currently our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. So thank you so much for those of you who back our show. If you want to help support us and join that group of beloved patrons, you can head to patreon.com forward slash major spoilers. Sign up for a silver level membership today. You can also support us by using the affiliate links. Uh, you can find those at majorspoilers.com. We'll be back next week. Scott Johnson, Jason Enman. We're going to be talking a little bit about Kickstarter and maybe some tips. Why? Because we know that you love comics. We do too. And we will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. It's like a man of iron Might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Be in the Middle East With a gang sign throwing soldier What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.